This is Grown Up and Grounded, a podcast where two women, a mother and a daughter, talk about everything. Hey everybody, I'm Trish and we're here with Kate and we have a special guest with us today. Her name is Heather. Where do you want to start? Hi, I'm Heather and I am 38 years old as of last week Friday. Um, Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't realize yeah. that either. Um, and I had an experience last year that was very powerful, a whole emotional roller coaster, and I thought that I would share it to help myself get through it and make it a part of me as a strength builder, and hopefully others can learn from it as well. So last year I got pregnant, super excited, and then I got engaged. And then a couple weeks after getting engaged, I had a miscarriage. So the whole emotional roller coaster going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't tell a whole lot of people because it was early and then... The doctors right away started saying that things weren't looking like that they were expecting with how far along I was. So they kept saying, oh, we'll we'll wait a week, we'll do more scans, more tests, and see how it goes. And each week it was getting more information and still kind of inconclusive. And then ultimately they said, it looks like... Your critters stopped growing, and you're going to have a miscarriage. And I was in denial about it. So every day I wake up with morning sickness thinking, oh, I'm still sick. I'm still pregnant. Maybe this is not going to happen. Maybe everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And they told me, so I had a doctor, his male doctor, probably in his mid-late 40s, plus a um, midwife who is a lady um, and just about to retire. Uh, so I think she was probably in her late 60s. And so I'm getting different opinions of and feelings from both of them about different different things. And ultimately they said, It's going to be like a bad period when it happens. Mm -hmm. Both of them said that? Both of them said that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that was not at all the experience that I had. And so how, what prompted them to like say originally, let's let's wait a week and see how things happen. Like were you you just in for like a regular exam or? Yeah, so um, I scheduled the like first checkup and they're like oh you're supposed to do it I don't know what the duration is like how far along but I did it approximately that time frame and they said well you're supposed to be this far along but it looks like you're actually like a week less than that or something and but it's early enough so maybe Mm-hmm. We just need to wait, and it'll, mm-hmm. like, show us more information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. And then did they, but they did a full exam at that point and just felt like you were measuring differently or. Yeah. They did the sonogram thing and I guess they measure the right. like egg sac or something and you're supposed to see something inside of that and it wasn't showing everything that it was supposed okay. to. Mm. Uh, and they said, well, maybe it's just being blocked. Or So then they checked it the week after, and it showed more detail, but not the size they were expecting. Okay. Yeah. How far along were you actually when it um, happened then? Uh, I was 10 weeks when I miscarried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said your experience was different. It wasn't like a heavy period. What was that like, if you don't mind me asking? No, I'm... Um, so, and it sounded like it was going to go pretty quick Mm -hmm. and it started with like light bleeding and then like 12 hours later it was a little bit heavier, but like still not even as bad as a period, Mm -hmm. but the cramps were pretty bad, but no worse than a regular period. And I tend to have pretty, pretty bad cramps sometimes. Mm. Um, So... It was a week after my friend's birthday, and we were going to go wine tasting in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bad period. No problem. I can go to the mountains, and I'll be fine. So then at dinner, then, like, things started getting a lot worse. Like, I was bleeding through my pads, and I was getting super dizzy and Mm. nauseated and, like felt like I had a fever and my cramps were like the all like it was like white hot pain Mm -hmm. it was crazy and luckily I was with my friends and I think both of them had said that they had gone through a miscarriage before like and both of them had kids Mm -hmm. so they're like you're going through labor right now yeah so um that's wild yeah, it was wow. un- unbelievable, and because like, I didn't know that it was going to be this bad, I was freaking out, and my fiancé was at home, and which was hours away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, in the mountains. Yeah. Have to have a good yeah. time. Exactly, and I, so they took me to the emergency room, because mm-hmm. there was no way I could drive, mm-hmm. and he met me, and like my best friend was there, and... She stayed until, like, 2 a.m., mm-hmm. and, like, I was wide open for the world. Like, I was in so much pain when they drove me to the ER. Like, I sat on a bench waiting for my friend to park her car, and I bled all over the bench. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm making, marking my territory. <laughs> so it's like, I was in so much pain, I was, like, delirious and trying to make jokes to not think about it. And, like, it was... Pretty inappropriate, but... (laughs) It sounds like it was necessary, though. I mean, you need something, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then when I checked into the ER, they have this kiosk where you, like, type in your symptoms. But they only let you pick one symptom. And it doesn't tell you that. So I'm, like, starting to, like, poke all of the buttons of, like, what all my symptoms are, except it only took the first one, which was, like, I don't know, dizziness or something. Like, oh, jeez. Uh, I'm not in the ER right, for it's probably an alphabetical dizziness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, so they don't. <laughs> this ER didn't have a nurse triage. They did. Oh, but you have to go through the kiosk first. Oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like that. Okay. And then, like finally, after twenty minutes, then they take me and they're like, they ask me what's going on, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm having a miscarriage. So. Yeah. Well, first they asked me, so you're, you're here for dizziness? I'm like, no, I'm not here for dizziness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bleeding all over everything I touch right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How do you know you're having a miscarriage? Uh, <laughs> because I'm pregnant. Because I am? Bleeding everywhere, so. Yeah, and my doctors forewarned me this is going to happen. Yeah. And so did, did they, in the ER, did they seem like what you were experiencing was what they would have expected? Or were they surprised too? Because your doctors made it seem so that it was going to be such a breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, this minor experience you're going to have, this little blip, is kind of how they, <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of how they made it seem? And yeah, And then you totally. get to the ER and it's not that. In the ER, did they make it seem like this is what we would have expected and, you know, we're going to take care normal? of you? Or were they kind of surprised? So the ER... First off, everybody I met with was fabulous. Mm-hmm. They were so compassionate. I'm sorry you're going through this. That's Is there good. anything I can do for you? And everybody that I spoke with that had had experience with miscarriages, they were like, of course you're going through this. Of mm-hmm. course it's this terrible. Like, why would somebody tell you that it's going to be otherwise? Right. <laughs> wow. And everybody was just, they were... So awesome from mm-hmm. the person who did my ultrasound to like all of the triage nurses, like person who like was taking my blood samples and everybody mm-hmm. was just so amazing. Good. And I mean, I would hope that they would be, but just I was going through this traumatic experience, have no idea what to expect. And what I'm going through is different than what I was expecting. Right. And then I'm, like, bleeding all over everywhere. And now my best friend, who has only seen me naked a couple times, now is, like, helping clean me up with all of my blood clots all over my my vagina. Like, it... Yeah. We're very close now. A new level of best friendship. (laughs) Any embarrassment is just, like, out the window. Because all these people are there helping me. Mm -hmm. And I... I have a new level of like love for the world now with like people just not asking anything and just being there. Mm-hmm. Being compassionate and yeah. kind. And now I feel like I have a new level of compassion for other people who have gone through traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. It's going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know anything about it and nobody had talked to me about their experiences with miscarriage, I'm kind of not announcing to the world to every random person that I meet, (laughs) hey, guess what? I had a miscarriage. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, I'm trying to talk about it and I, in some way I feel like it's going to help me heal and get stronger and help other people who don't know about it or who might experience it in the future. Yeah. And then I had lunch with one of my friends today, and turns out she had a miscarriage the week after I did. Yeah. 
Wow. wow. And she was the same length of time. She knew it was also going to happen. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. she's pregnant again. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm trying not to stress, but then I can't help saying what if. Right. Like, what if I did this? What if I didn't do that? Like, mm-hmm. am I a bad person? So, it's it's a real struggle still, and probably will be for a long time, even after, like, I have kids, if I do have kids in whatever form or fashion that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's staggering because of the, you know, the numbers are there, that it's it's a fairly common thing, and yet, like, your experience is that as you're going through it, you found out people, or even after you found out people had that, but prior to that, you had no idea that your friends were experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's what's hard about the numbers, right? The numbers can make you feel as though you're just another number and a statistic. But yet by not openly talking about it and how common it is, it creates this horrible void that no one, it's taboo to talk about. No one's really comfortable. We're not comfortable. America as a society isn't comfortable talking about loss anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like losing a loved one in in, in a death experience it, that's different from a miscarriage and, and it's very strange that we don't we don't want to talk about that but it's still a loss and people mm-hmm. just don't know how to communicate that with one another yeah because it, it's a loss of the potential mm-hmm. and even though you've never met this being before whatever your like version of existence is and your spiritual or um, feelings around it, you still have put some sort of value on this potential of like life and love and all of these things that are now not going to come to fruition. And now you think, well, are they ever going to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it is in that moment when you first find out you're pregnant, it's like a reckoning within yourself of like an analysis of where you are versus where you wanted to be when you were going to get pregnant. Like um, what what your hopes are in bringing this being into the world. Like there's just like a whole inner um, assessment that happens. Right. And it's life changing in that moment. It's very life changing. And then how many ever months or weeks go by to have that taken away? Like, yeah. all of that is just kind of, like, null and void now. And mm-hmm. it is a null and void. Like, you've gone through a life-changing experience, but you can't talk about it with anyone, and you can't really uh, openly discuss how it changed you. Uh, so that just adds to the, the loss, because you can't talk about it. Yeah. And then it, it kind of, for me, it reset all of my priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Like what I want out of this existence that I have in this lifetime and how do I want to impact others? Mm. How much do I want to let the entities outside of myself affect my being Mm -hmm. and my decision making? Mm. A lot of it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. And then so what happens for you after that changes? Like then all of a a sudden because it does feel like an all of a sudden thing even though the experience obviously wasn't that but when you look at it in hindsight you're like all of a sudden that was taken away from me and so does everything shift in a different way or do you feel like you're just it shifts in a 
you know, it doesn't go back to what you were before, but it's not the same as when you were expecting, right? Yeah, it, it totally shifted in a different way for me. And I think part of it, too, is this spiritual experience of going through the miscarriage, mm-hmm. for me, lasted four months. Hmm. Like, actually going through it, mm-hmm. because my body didn't get rid of all of the, uh, what did they call it? Um, con- material of conception or something. They mm-hmm. used all of these mm-hmm. like weird science-y terms to like, kind of take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like, <laughs> it's like, oh, let me just have this work cut off of my hand. Um, so my body didn't get rid of everything. So they had to give me abortion pills right. to get rid of it. So, and of course... When this is happening, the Senate is talking about, like, all these super conservative folks are getting rid of abortion in their states and getting rid of the abortion pills. It's like, well, these have good purposes. Important purposes. Very important purposes. Right. And all of these men are making decisions that, like... Yeah, it just it infuriated me, mm-hmm. and so that was like <laughs> another, that made it even yeah, more difficult. It. Like you know, having to go through that at the same time that that's happening. I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. I can't even imagine. And then so, I took the abortion pills, and then I went through labor again. Mm-hmm. That was two days later. Because that's a lot of hormones. Yeah. yeah. So that just and then for you to balance out after that, it probably even actually is longer than four months for your hormones to get back to normal. Wow. Yeah. Because and they were starting to adjust and then you took the pills and then it messed them all up again. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was probably... So they never, they didn't fully adjust for me for months because even the abortion pills didn't work. Oh, okay. So then they had to do surgery and go scrape oh everything out. Yeah. That's no, I in my experience, not my personal experience, but in, people I know that have had miscarriages, they don't give them the abortion pill. They just go straight in and do a DNC. So I'm kind of surprised that they gave you the abortion pill first. Well, I well. didn't have that much clotting left. Oh, they okay. did a freaking shit ton of scans mm-hmm. and like ultrasounds. I had all kinds of ultrasounds. Any kind of ultrasound, like <laughs> even before I got pregnant, they did an ultrasound where they pumped up my uterus full of saline solution, mm-hmm. which is before the miscarriage, the worst experience I had ever had. What, what was that for? What To what? test to see if my, like, my fallopian tubes were intact. That sounds, everything about that just sounds so painful. I, what? Yeah. I, I, um, and you have to drink a hell of water beforehand, so your bladder is super full, and they won't <laughs> let you pee. And Did you do that? Uh, well, I did something similar because when I had, when I was having problems with my menstrual cycle, I had where they do the saline, they do the solution and they heat it up yeah. and they burn the inside of your uterus to try to get rid of, so I don't have, uh, abnormal periods. And then oh. sadly that didn't work. And like two months later, I started having super heavy bleeding all over again, but which as a matter of fact, by the time I went. So it was probably like six months after that that I hysterectomy, and in between that time, I developed a tumor, like a blood clot so big that um, just yeah, it was. Being a woman is no joke. I mean, all these advances <laughs> in modern technology, and this is what we get so have to just pump our uteruses full of water like that. There's there's no. I know it's not water. I know that I'm oversimplifying things here, but like. 
surely there's another solution available for someone to figure I out. I mean, this burning it off, like, that was the easiest way for them to do it. The experience for me was to just heat up the water to a certain temperature, burn the whole inside of my uterus. <laughs> I mean, then, it seems simple until like, you're experiencing over. it, right? Right. I, well, the, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm part about, about it. His dad went in like, and they like have a camera, so he's like watching the whole thing, like of. Just like why? For what oh. purpose? Is this a show? Is this entertaining <laughs> for someone? No, well, he had to go in with me. Like they let him come in but because I was awake it? during the procedure, and then they're like, "It's on the camera. You can watch it if Could you want." Could you see it? I I don't remember. I was drugged. Like oh. they give you an oral drug and an injection in your uterus to numb it. Huh? Were you like That's... awake and aware for when they did it to you? Oh yeah, I was. Oh, they wow. gave me no drugs, and then like. That's interesting that your husband was able to see the video camera because mm-hmm. when I actually was in the ER for my miscarriage, they did uh, an ultrasound, but they wouldn't let me look at it. Mm-hmm. They let my fiance look at it, huh. and that was the only time that he saw the, like there. He actually saw the embryo. Mm-hmm. Wow! And at no during none of the scans. Did I ever see one? Mm-hmm. And that wow. was the only time, and they wouldn't let me look. Wow. Hmm. Did does it just like an emotional thing? Like they, do you know why they wouldn't let you? Um, I was also not allowed to ask any questions. I think it, so. The technician that's doing the ultrasound isn't supposed to yeah, make interpretations any, right. and tell you what's going on with what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they kind of know right. because mm-hmm. that's what they do. And so they tell the doctors, but they're not supposed to tell you yeah, anything. Right. And you can't ask them anything. Yeah. And this person was very, very strict about the rules. Mm-hmm. But, like, they wouldn't even let me look. And so it bums me out that my fiancé was able to actually see the right. embryo. Like, actual evidence proof, not just, like, a bubble. Right. That looks like an air bubble in my uterus. Like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It seems odd that they would let one and not the other. Look. Yeah. Very odd. So how long were you in the ER? Um, probably six hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... And then they... Um, did they, like, try to wait for you uh, to complete the miscarriage and then where you would just go home where you were just bleeding from afterwards? Or did they just try to get you through whatever they could to where you could go home. Like, what was the end point there? Um, they got me through, like, what they thought was probably the majority of the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And then I was considering driving home, so I was going to have to wait until after the narcotics that they had given me were, were off before I could drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, my car was still in the mountains so I would have to get there my fiance would have to drive me there first Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was an hour away and then (laughs) then drive home wow so we ended up leaving the car there yeah yeah that was probably a good idea yeah to drive and then just months after that of dragging out and did you ever like your next appointment with your doctor were you able to discuss how it was different than what he had told you or did he see in your chart that you went to the ER? How did that all end up going? Yeah, I, I went to my doctor, my OB, probably the 
day or two after. Because mm -hmm. I would, the day after, I think, I just, I slept all day. Because mm -hmm. yes. I was physically and emotionally exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then I went to see my doctor the day after, and he gave me the, they did more scans. I was supposed to see him anyways. Mm -hmm. um, they did more scans. They prescribed me the abortion pills, and then I waited until my fiance got home to do it and then yeah then I think I d ended up doing the DNC a week or two later because I just I wouldn't stop bleeding mm -hmm. and that's because I still had blood clots mm -hmm. Wow. and then it took probably two months I think for me to heal up completely from that physically but my hormones were still crazy um, so they ended up putting me on birth control. And of course, like, you're trying to get pregnant, so you don't want to go on birth control. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Kind of goal there. So I'm, like, of course, asking 50,000 questions. And Did you switch OBGYNs after that? Or no, you still have the same one? No, I still have the same one. And, like, after I did the birth control, I haven't seen them again. Um, the one person retired. Mm -hmm. And the... The male doctor, he's still there. But, I don't know. Hmm. So when they told you um, that you were going to miscarry, um, did they give you, like, a plan for, like, you know, if it starts, like, here's what you should do? Or was it just, it's going to be a slightly heavy period, go on your merry way? That was kind of what they made it sound like it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it was going to be no big deal. No backup plan if it was worse or anything? Like, no... They should call me if, like, <laughs> you have questions or something. And Wow. Um, they gave me no written information. Of course, wow. I'm freaked out beforehand, like, wondering about all these things. And my fiancé tells me, like, get off the internet because, like, right. <laughs> finding all kinds Good of... Good advice, yeah. ...scary stories and don't know what's true or not and like have a tiny bit of hope like well maybe this isn't really gonna happen and they're just mm -hmm. telling me worst case and so yeah. yeah and they'll do the thing I know they do that even if you're spotting when you're pregnant like well if you're going through more than a pad an hour then you need to call us or come to the ER but it seems simple right but that seems somewhat objective right how like what sort of pad Right, and how some people change them very frequently. Like, to me, like, maybe I just want a few spots on my, you know, I, so it's always kind of like, that's not really good information yeah. to yeah. me. Like, I need, I need more specifics. And I'm a maybe hypochondriac, so I would see, like, th you know, three spots of blood and be like, I need to go in right now. Like, well, yeah. you know, I'm like, that's how I would be, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I just kind of... And then, like, I asked my doctor... Like, this was not at the end when he's prescribing me the birth control. I'm like, this is not at all what I was expecting. Y'all made it sound like it was going to be nothing. He's like, yeah, your, yours was, I don't remember the exact terms he said, but, like, basically he said it was weird. It was abnormal. I'm like, thanks. That does not make me feel better. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, the people that you spoke with, it didn't seem like it was different, right? Like, just... Well, at least when when I went to the ER, mm -hmm. that was normal. But that it took 
like four months because I was bleeding on and off for that whole time, mm-hmm. even which is why he put me on the birth control because mm-hmm. like blood tests were still, my hormone levels were crazy mm-hmm. and my body basically still thought I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's so hard. And I mean, you're, you're a working woman. So like how, at what point in this process did you stop going to work, return to work? How was that affected by this? Um, so like my, like there are folks in my workplace that I was petrified of finding out. Um, I know it's against the law, but I thought in some weird part of my brain that I was going to get fired if people found out that I was pregnant, Mm -hmm. which I know is not true. Um, It's an understandable thought though. I mean, yeah, like, especially, you know, you work in a field that's not super populated with women. So that's, that's understandable to feel that way. I I think. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just, when the miscarriage happened, I just said, I'm not coming in. I was in the ER. That's it. I gave no specifics at all. Mm -hmm. And then later in the week when like I couldn't go in again because of different things, I just said, I'm sick Mm -hmm. being super vague about it Mm -hmm. and not giving any details. And even on my calendar for work, I don't know who can see it or not. I even was very vague about, I would just say appointment. Right. Mm-hmm. Not like doctor's appointment or mm-hmm. like OBGYN yeah, yeah. and like all these things. Like right. you gotta keep some being super vague about the um, what was on my calendar. Mm-hmm. And but so that also isolated you in a way to to have no one to talk to about. Yeah. And um, no one to share that you were struggling as well. Mm-hmm. So who, so throughout this experience from ER to the four months where it's, you know, kind of winding down, they're putting on birth control, who were you able to talk to or? Um, eventually I told both of my sisters and I was able to talk to them. I was able to talk to my good friend that was there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to, I did reach out to a couple coworkers who I felt comfortable with, and um, I reached out to you, Trish, mm-hmm. and let folks know, and uh, I just got an overwhelming outpouring of love. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I didn't really ask folks to do anything for me, just knowing that love and support was there was mm-hmm. really good for my soul. Yeah. Because I was, I was struggling with all of these physical things and the emotional part of it and definitely have issues with depression Mm -hmm. over the last nine months or however long it's been and then also trying to figure out how to support my fiance because obviously he's going through this too Mm -hmm. he and he has no idea like what I need from Mm -hmm. him understandable um and so that has been been a challenge because, I mean, this would have been our first kid. Yeah. And we were really excited about it. And so. And, and so just because we talk about sisterhood a lot, like how, 
Are your sisters older than you or younger than you, or are you in the middle? I'm the oldest of three, and we're all, like, one year apart. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Pretty much the same. Yeah. Well, that's not true. And are any of them married and have kids? My middle sister is not in a relationship and does not have any kids, and she has issues with cysts mm. on her ovaries, and so is not sure if she will even be able to have kids. Mm-hmm. And then my youngest sister, um, she has a stepdaughter, but then she had a tumor on her uh, appendix two years ago, and as a result of that, she got um, she had a herniated belly button, and her doctor gave her no option to fix the hernia other than rendering her unable to have children. So I think they took her uterus out oh or patched it. Yeah. Wow. So like that seems extreme. Yeah, that doesn't seem normal to me at all. Yeah, and now I'm 38, and I, <laughs> so I'm like taking the weight of the world or the weight of my sisters and <laughs> putting it on my shoulders, and mm-hmm. I'm trying not to stress about it, but it's tough. Yeah. 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 That is tough. So what do you feel like, because you've mentioned, like, how it's changed you in a spiritual way and and the things that you've learned. Like, what do you feel like you've learned about yourself in this, and about the medical industry in this? So two two big separate topics. (laughs) Yeah. So first off, with the medical industry, I've learned that there's not enough women practitioners, especially with folks that are making decisions about your personal health. Mm -hmm. My sister's doctor was an old crusty man. And then I hurt my wrist after like right after the miscarriage. And I went in there and they're like, Oh, how's the pregnancy going? And like, well, I had a miscarriage. Oh, well, your wrist hurts. You had a miscarriage. You probably have gonorrhea. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. (laughs) Like, A, I just had my physical, which included all kinds of STD testing, Mm -hmm. and I don't have gonorrhea, and now you're, like, (laughs) making me But even that that would be the first thing that they would say. Like, and who, yeah, who was that? Oh, you just had a miscarriage in your research? You must have gonorrhea. Like, check my chart. Where's the sensitivity in any aspect of this? So many things. Yeah, it, it was, there was no sensitivity. So, there's definitely... Too many, too many old crusty men making decisions for my body. Oh yeah, and with, in the medical like, industry and and otherwise. politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I mean that's part of the whole thing. Like when you read about miscarriages as well. Like there's always, like not only do you feel like it's it's a natural feeling to feel like maybe I could have done something different or like because you mentioned kind of blaming yourself, mm-hmm. but when the medical industry also adds to that. Or, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of different, um, even, I would say, some quote-unquote support groups that also kind of go that way. We're blaming the person who who was carrying the child. Like, it's something that they could have done differently. That is a really big stigma surrounding miscarriage. So it's just kind of heart-wrenching to see that. Like, it's, you know, you're suffering a loss, and then it's, like, slap across the face all at the same time. Like, somehow... 
as if something was different, you know, like something you did was specifically to blame. But when you look at the numbers, that can't possibly be true when it's such the percentages are as high as they are. It just is what it is. Yeah. And I didn't know that the numbers were like between 25% and 33% of all pregnancies end up in a miscarriage. I didn't know that until the doctors told me like, hey, you're going to have a miscarriage. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. why did, why is this happening to me? Nobody else. And so I had to dig into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I read, well, I listened to a book of uh, a British author and she interviewed folks that had lost their pregnancy in various stages. And then talking about statistics across the world and how people don't talk about it, which is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the more folks talk about it, the less scary it will be. And the more folks will have a community and know they're not isolated. Um, but then I found out that some people have actually gone to prison for having a miscarriage. Yeah, that's a thing. I was reading about that recently, too. Because they're, again, these, I hate to generalize, but it, Ah, generalize. <laughs> Go right ahead. It usually is. Like, these men are making these political decisions. And they're usually white. Yeah. You know, that's, that's true. That contributes a lot to and it. And a I lot think of the too. women in prison are black, let's be honest. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so then people's like said, well, you terminated your pregnancy f- because you on weren't purpose, healthy or whatever. Right. And, and therefore, you made decisions. Yeah. You, therefore, you're going to prison because you had an abortion when, no, you had a miscarriage. Mm hmm. It's when scary. I think there's one woman that's in prison because she was shot, but they were saying it was like somehow her lifestyle let her be in a place where she was shot and lost the I baby. don't think she actually went to prison, but she was definitely put oh, okay. on trial. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Please don't quote me. But I right. do like I remember, remember hearing things. about her trial that they were saying, it's your fault you lost this baby because you were... Because your lifestyle. Yeah, you were in this you know, in this place, I don't remember if she lived there or something, but you were in this place that was dangerous and that led to you getting shot. Or you were in, I think she was in a fight with the girl or something. And, or her. And the, I don't remember all the details. Like there's something. Yeah, there's something. Some and she, yeah, to... she was shot in the stomach. And so while she's going through this, and she's pretty far along too, like she was oh, showing. Yeah. So while she's going through this experience of having to deal with losing her child, she's also on trial and being told that it was all her fault. Wow. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. It sucks to be a woman. In a lot of in a lot of ways, and but, it's great in a lot of ways too. Yeah, yeah. So. but do the pros outweigh the cons? Topic for another episode. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it all depends on the society. How how society values women? That's it's true. Because it's hard to value the pros when no one else does. Yeah, like we could list the pros, the good things about being a woman all day long. But if nobody else values them, then it really. It's just Which brings up in a, group of a good point, too, that I was thinking just while you were talking. It is such a common thing to happen, but we don't have um, societal support that's really common or talked about or that exists for something that is so common. You know, we have all these programs and all these things, um, even for things that seem silly now, like dare feels so obsolete to me. Like, you know, don't do drugs. Like, it's so focused on marijuana. Like, that's that's so obsolete now, but it's still so common. Mm-hmm. Where is where is that program, that support, that um, something that anybody can fall back on, whether you went through the miscarriage or know someone who goes through a miscarriage, where is that group for you 
to, to go to to help with yeah with and I, this. I think that that group does exist uh, at different hospitals and places but like you need to already know about it before you need it so that when you need it you can just jump into it mm-hmm. right you don't want to have to go looking when you're also going through this experience yeah because all you want to do is curl up in a ball and <clears throat> put the blankets over your head and yeah. not deal mm-hmm. with the world it's almost like though it shouldn't be a system where you have to look for it it needs to just be it should just be available. here's a support that we have mm-hmm. because you're experiencing this like yeah mm-hmm. that's so well known that it just happens kind of thing yeah yeah so but even if you just if people just weren't afraid to talk about it like that's the thing is people are are very uncomfortable talking about it. They don't want to make other people sad because of their loss. So then we just don't talk about it. Yeah. Mm. So like this experience, I mean, besides the pain being so crazy that like that in and of itself was a spiritual experience for me (laughs) because all you, it blacks everything out. All you can think about is just that pain. And um, then like unpacking this whole thing emotionally, physically has been like really reflective for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's made me realize that I can go through anything and survive Mm -hmm. and no matter what I'm going through, it's, most likely not a life and death situation mm-hmm. and it'll be okay tomorrow and if it's not well like i can i can deal with it and there's people that will help me through it mm-hmm. because people love me and then i can be there for other people and i don't have to do everything right now that the world tells me i have to do i can make a decision myself mm-hmm. Because I'm a grown-ass woman, and I make my own decisions. Hell yeah. (laughs) At least in the society that I live in. Yeah. Most of the decisions I think I can make by myself, even if society has kind of dictated some of it for me. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like um, before this experience that there were some misconceptions that you thought were true that you learned are not about miscarriage? I didn't realize that people lost pregnancies so late in um, in their, like, even in third trimester. Mm-hmm. And that some folks actually still get, the, they their milk comes in even after they have right. miscarried. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of people... I mean, not a lot of people, but it does happen too, where they, the doctor decides, even though the fetus is no longer viable, for them to go, go because through labor. To, but even to go until they until they naturally go into labor instead of inducing them. So, so they're carrying, carrying around a, yeah. a lost so that child. too, where it's like, we're just going to let you go in naturally instead of induce it. That's traumatic. I mean, no matter which way you look at it, it's traumatic. Of course. Right. But Whether you, it's an abortion and you know you're pregnant and you choose to terminate it, a viable pregnancy, that still has its traumas in a way. And, I mean, I actually had that when I was in my early 20s. I visited an ex 
I thought we were friends and then uh, we had sex and I didn't want any of it to happen and then I got pregnant mm -hmm. and I was like wow. I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do in life if I right. have this kid right now so yeah. like it's now I think affecting me more than it did then because mm. part of me is like well if I if I didn't do that, then I would have a kid now. Granted, right. the kid would be a teenager. And <laughs> a very different sort of situation. You have a totally different job and your whole, yeah. Yeah. But, but I know that, because like, that, that process that happened then, I just went through it again. It was just a different set of decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it has its own traumas, what, no matter how you look right. at it. So... Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, we do not like him. Um, yeah, that's that's just crazy. Um, how uh, has so? Well, I, let me back up. I feel like I have a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> how has this affected your fiance? Then I mean, how? It's. I feel like there's as few resources as there are for women. There's even less for men in this situation. Um, men what? don't mm -hmm. get to talk about loss or experience loss or, or emotion emotions. in any way yeah. unless it's anger <laughs> yes. uh, that's the only one they're allowed to feel mm -hmm. um, yeah and not of course not trying to say that that's uh, that's I, what I society know, says yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. obviously yeah. I don't actually feel that way um, <laughs> yeah. in that's this just, room if you've listened to other episodes <laughs> that's just kind of <laughs> a joke we're little... making <laughs> yeah. um, so um, what I mean, what has that looked like for him? I, I wonder um, if I can ask that question. Yeah, and honestly, I, I haven't, I probably haven't been as supportive as I could be. I don't know the depth of what he's feeling or has felt and like um, everything around that. I do know that like, He's had a, a tough time with it, and I know that he has spoken with some of his close friends mm -hmm. and has gotten some guidance from folks that he knows that also had troubles getting pregnant. Mm. And um, he definitely has had problems with depression over this last period, and um, I feel like he bounced back a lot faster than I did. Um, of course, like he also ch changed jobs and I got a promotion in mm. the last few months too. So we've wow. had all this other stuff going on and now we're buying a house. So yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot happening in your life. A lot. And part of me wonders if either one of us are kind of compartmentalizing and not dealing with all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I know that um, he's he's struggled in how to communicate what he's feeling and how to support me because it's I haven't been able to really communicate what I need and um, sounds like a normal relationship. Yeah, yeah. There's um, both of us have been angry about it and. Yeah, I 
Thanks for the reminder. I need to check in with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have either of you been to or talked about going to therapy? Or anything along those lines? Mm. We haven't. Hmm. And I pass no judgment on your decision either way. I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> we, we haven't talked about it mm -hmm. in any capacity. And what, and any, because we talked about resources, but are there any that you have utilized or that you've looked into that you think maybe? Um... Well, I've only been to therapy twice. Both were very bad experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One... It's unfortunate how that happens. Yeah. So yeah, people don't realize that it's like, it's like dating. Like it's a, it's a personality match. Like the therapist and your personality really have to blend well, together. Sometimes therapists are just bad. Oh yeah, Sometimes but I mean, it's also a person. Like therapist. some of them are better. If your personality clicks, then they're better therapists for you because they ask the question. I don't know. It's just, it's very yeah. It's and people 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 make it seem like you just you walk into any old therapist's office and you come out with mental health, and that's just not how it works. Yeah, you sometimes know, you so. have to go to like four different therapists and you're like, okay, this yeah. one is gonna work for me. I feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. They ask the right questions or they don't ask the yeah. wrong questions or whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry that you had that experience. Yeah. I, I did have a life coach for a number of years, and hmm. I feel like that was a good fit, but yeah. it, I feel like this isn't a life coachy type of situation. Right. Yeah. That's a unique situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, because when I was kind of doing some research before we recorded, there's definitely so many resources out there, um, but I don't know what all specifically they offer because I didn't dive that deep into it. Yeah. And honestly, I... I didn't dig into resource groups. Mm -hmm. I was trying to be tough and focus on what I, all these things that I had to do. And it sounds like you have done a lot. Not, not really focusing on me making my mental health better. Right. Trying but to you've get... had a lot to do to get to your physical health plus work stuff and and yeah. other life changes. Yeah, like four so. months of this, and then it was pretty much the holidays, and then. Promotion yeah. and then buying a house. I mean, you've... Yeah. Holy crap. I mean... been a thing. Yeah. So if things do calm down, that's something to think about, too. Like, being mentally prepared for the... Like, the drop. Like, right? You guys are both going to ease into a normalcy at some point, and then you're going to have to, like, confront all of it. Yeah. You, I mean, I shouldn't say have to, but you it may come... You may be confronted with it, I guess. That's probably a better way to say Which it. Which I feel like is normal, too. Right. I mean, but sometimes it takes you by surprise because you're like, it's a year later. I should be fine. And mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. But then there's the should right. thing. Like, <laughs> there is no should. Like, should. You shouldn't. You can't should on yourself because you need <clears> to <throat> like, let yourself work through those emotions in whatever time frame makes sense right. for you. And just recognize it. Like, it's okay that I'm feeling angry. It's okay that I'm feeling let down by society. It's okay that I'm feeling all of these things depressed and sad and hopeful and everything is is okay i just need to work through it and unpack it and, and realize i'm probably not going to get to the other side because it's going to be a part of me the rest of my life i just right. need to figure out how that fits in my new being yeah well and it's like you said the other experiences now you know, you, you 
a year or two ago, you would have said you had dealt with that. And then now this happened and it's coming back up. Those emotions are coming back up in a different way in your experience. And that's probably how, you know, it's just going to be layered and nuanced and it'll come back up in Mm -hmm. a different way another time. Yeah. Like weird thing. We were at breakfast in Nevada somewhere and there was a March of Dimes like flyer thing on Mm -hmm. the breakfast table. And it was talking about like teddy bears for, um, something, I don't remember what it was talking about, like, loss mm-hmm. yeah, of children, and then it was, like, it actually gave more information, because I always think, thought lots of, or March of Dimes was just for loss of infants, but it actually was referencing loss of a pre, like, full-term pregnancy, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Any stage of miscarriage, and like we're just sitting there at breakfast, and I'm just bawling. Mm, yeah. And nobody said anything to me. I just see this thing on the table, and I start crying. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right. Because that's what happens. Yeah. 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 And they're, they are a big, one of the big resources that kind of came up a lot was March of Dimes. Forgot about them. Well, is there anything? Um, I know you've talked a lot about what you've learned and how you hope it'll help other people, but any. Uh, a thing that you would want to pass along to someone that is listening that maybe want uh, not not experiencing this, but like someone just that doesn't understand miscarriage at all, like something. If if you haven't experienced miscarriage, um, and if you meet somebody that has, like. Compassion goes a long, long way. Like saying I'm sorry, regardless of like how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. I myself and from the stories I hear from others that it it just just a simple I'm sorry just recognizes the the loss and the pain and it tells the other person that you have compassion for for other people mm-hmm. for their experience. Even if you don't really understand what they went through and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And most people probably aren't going to talk in like gory detail about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's true. They'll just say, I had a miscarriage, and you don't know any of the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's still a loss. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am, I always am uncertain in those types of situations. Like, what is the right thing to say so that they know that I don't want to pry, but I'm still there for you. So, I mean, that's, that is good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say before we finish Um. up? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Thank for you coming. for coming and talking yeah. about this. I mean, yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, good it is such a, a lot of people. We need to talk from about a difficult topic. You know, yeah. it's, it is definitely. We need not to get to a point where it's but... not like that. Exactly. Thing, like where it's something that we can share, and you aren't. You don't feel like I don't want to talk to them about it because they don't feel comfortable with my loss. Like, then we don't people we just feel need alone. to get more. Right. Yeah, I mean. People experience loss all the time, and we sort of know, but, I mean, even not really. Like, somebody loses their parents, 
Yeah. And, but they share that on Facebook, you know, but yeah. they're not, it's not necessarily <laughs> like you're going to be like, heads up everyone. You know, this I'm is just what's happened. Yeah. It's, uh, for, this one is so different. Yeah. You know, I get, well, I, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to dive into <laughs> the, the reasons behind why I feel so different, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a different one. Yeah, there are a whole bunch of reasons why I think that yeah. it's different. We don't need to unpack them all yeah. right now, right right now. But, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's suffice it to say we're not really comfortable talking about loss, and this is a different kind of loss that is even less because it's not mm-hmm. as visual, I guess. You're not, there's not a... Uh, you don't have something, like, tangible. I mean, you might. You might have, right. like... Mm-hmm. When you but not tangible things. that everyone else knows about. Like, yeah. tangible for you, yeah. yes, but not tangible that the outside world recognizes so what usual you can't say the usual things like someone loses their dad you know oh he was in pain he's in a better place now oh you know thank goodness you have these memories that you can't save those like catchphrases that we throw out yeah i mean but even with that type of loss people pull away and don't know what to say so they just don't say anything so like can it's like even a weirder one when you can't even yeah let someone know that you had that loss so yeah it's complicated huh Yeah. yeah for sure and like now you have a miscarriage and you know you're pregnant. Maybe other people didn't or they did or they suspected, mm-hmm. and but you didn't confirm. And then they see you drinking, like, I was drinking a kombucha. And mm-hmm. somebody's like, should you be drinking that right now? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I had a miscarriage, so it's fine. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, and maybe you should learn how to regulate other people. <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> We wanted to give Heather a big thank you for sitting down and sharing such a personal story with us. Here are a list of resources for anyone that might need them. We spoke of the March of Dimes. There is Share Pregnancy and Infant Loss, Miscarriage Association, SANDS, S-A-N-D-S, The Compassionate Friends, Miss Foundation, M-I-S-S, Helping After Neonatal Death, and Tommy's, which is a UK-based program, but they did have several online resources. The book that Heather spoke about that she was reading after her miscarriage was titled The Brink of Being by Julia Bueno.